luxury and forms of imaginative fiction. We will encounter the darker aspects of the human spirit as well as its bright triumphs. Yet never again, perhaps, will we see the human animal take a step so gigantic as this first one, little known and poorly recorded as it is. Scholars usually place the first revolution in man's way of life between the Paleolithic and Neolithic eras. These terms, which mean Old Stone Age and New Stone Age, were coined to describe a change in the techniques of working stone implements. But it is the least significant of the differences between the two periods. The wandering hunters of the Old Stone Age became the farmers and shepherds of the Neolithic, the permanent settlement of a tribe implies agriculture and domesticated animals and perhaps pottery, though there is considerable variation from place to place, and people continued hunting and fishing even after other means of food production were developed. The evidence of the transitional period in the Nile Valley is almost non-existent, so far. One suspects that something is bound to turn up eventually, but perhaps not in the Nile Valley itself. There were hunter-gatherers wandering around the western desert and possible signs of at least semi-permanent habitation there as early as 9,000 years ago. For our purposes, however, the oldest known pre-dynastic cultures of Egypt date from approximately 5400 B.C. Life in the early village cultures was not exactly luxurious. The houses were built of mud and sticks and consisted of a single dark room, unfloored and unventilated except for a smoke hole in the roof. The bodies of the dead were laid in shallow holes scooped in the sand, with no covering except straw mats or skins. But in the goods buried with them we may see the groping of the human spirit toward the concept of immortality. They could only postulate a continuance of the life they knew. So the hunter has his spear, the woman her beads, vanitas vanitatum against the fleshless skull, and the pitiful child bones sometimes huddle against the dust of a once cherished toy. The bones and their belongings can speak to us, sometimes with poignant clarity, and the mute stone and baked clay can speak as well to those who know how to listen. So meager are the remains from this distant time, before the dawn of history, that archaeologists have developed ingenious techniques for wringing the greatest possible amount of information from each scrap. They rely upon the skills of many specialists, biologists who can identify the species of the gnawed bones in the kitchen middens, geochemists who analyze pottery, and paleobotanists who ponder the withered grains left in the bottom of the granary basket by a thriftless ancient housewife. Contrary to popular report, none of the mummy seeds found in Egypt has ever produced a living plant. There is a limit to the preservative qualities of even Egyptian soil. Most of the archaeological evidence from prehistoric Egypt comes from graves, there are a few village sites and also the kitchen middens, an archaeological euphemism for garbage dumps. The prehistoric equivalents of beer cans and melon rinds are fish and animal bones, worn-out flint tools, and scraps of broken pottery. There must have been settlements of some sort near these ancient garbage dumps, but not many have survived. 
From these scanty remains, Egyptologists have defined a number of pre-dynastic cultures, interrelated, but each having its own typical assemblage, the collection of objects produced and used by the people of a given culture. In this period, such an assemblage might include flint weapons, beads and amulets, baskets and pottery. I have never been able to decide which is duller, flints or pottery, but I distinctly remember the appalling blankness that used to seize my mind when I was asked to identify bits of pottery during an examination. Probably this attests to my underdeveloped imagination, for pottery has been one of the most useful tools of the archaeologist. The ordinary household pot has no intrinsic value, so people throw it away when it breaks, and tomb robbers sneer at it. Though a pot can be smashed, its fragments are virtually indestructible.